and welcome to the Total Sucker Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's not impressed. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Actually, I will say I am very impressed by your ability to be chipper because if this were reversed, <laughs> it's why I'm very happy you're here because if this were reversed yeah. and it was me doing the intro, it would sound like Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> Meh. Meh. Actually, no, Eeyore's just like, hello yeah. and welcome. You can't start a show like that. Probably not. That but- wouldn't sound so good. But it did not go well. No. We are here to review USA versus Mexico in mm-hmm. New Jersey. It was a cero a tres. <laughs> it was. At least it, it wasn't was. a das. That's. I think Pablo Mar, Mar tweeted that in a whisper uh, tweet. <laughs> so there's that oh. at least, yeah. And it, but it was also just a very bad performance from the United mm-hmm. States. And I think we're going to do the Total Sock Show thing where we, we don't just bang on about how bad it was. We're going to explain why it was so bad. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, why, I'm, I'm kind of you... happy to bang on for a moment. Okay, but you know what I'm saying? Like, not I know, just, yeah. Not just complaints, but like we're going to get into yeah. what we think went wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get, we'll analyze the goals. We'll talk about some players, uh, and we'll maybe talk about what we would yeah. like Berhalter to change going forward. Sure. Because I think, in a weird way, this game for me was evidence that maybe some things need to change. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that later in the show. Let's, yeah, let's do that, and let's do that fairly quickly because because I don't. You're right. I don't want to necessarily just like complain about this game. What I will say is that it is the hope that kills you and heading into this one like i did like dest is starting oh tyler boyd like or tyler boyd is back in and like oh okay i'm excited to see alfredo morales like there were things in there that i was thinking this could be a good game and then yeah. we had had a conversation i can't remember if it was on air or not but your your question about this was like is this a continuation of the gold cup is it like more of a chess match in burhalter trying to figure out martino martino yeah. trying to figure out burhalter this was off air but i was saying yeah like they like had felt each other mm-hmm. out during the gold cup i think tata martino absolutely won that yeah. chess match right mm-hmm. and yeah and i wondered if like things for, things that we saw in that gold cup final would continue right. through this game and so i and so you had me thinking that as well i was like yeah okay i could see that i could see like the united states starting in some kind of weird formation and then they adjust in the first two minutes yeah. to totally throw off mexico <laughs> and i think because i had some of those I expectations didn't get my wish that Hong coaches the team. you did not <laughs> <laughs> um but instead we just had those momentary warning signs early on then the united states put together a few sequences where we we're like okay it's maybe okay and then by the end of the first half even yeah. we were sort of concerned yeah if you voice goes up at the end then that's not things are good (laughs) (laughs) oh so there were goals Mm -hmm. there were goals in the 21st minute the 78th minute and the 82nd minute Mm -hmm. but it's not as if the u.s was like really in it between the 21st and the 78th right i would argue uh, greg berhalter would take issue with this apparently but i would argue the united states never really in it in Mm -hmm. my opinion again they really had one or two sequences and i can contrast that with the gold cup final when if you go back and look at the highlights there are two or three opportunities for the united states in the first half where they probably should have scored or at least could have scored and here like dest has that one shot when he cuts inside and shoots but even that is a fairly routine save apart from that I mean, there's the penalty at the very end, but in between, there's not Morales a lot. hits the post towards the this end. This is true. But that's, yeah. yeah. But it's still – but I just – I guess what I'm reacting to is the idea that in the first half, it was kind of a cagey affair that could have gone either way. To me, it felt like it was always Mexico doing the exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Only in like one sequence when the United States was able to finally play through – was that not the case? And I think before we get into the specific, tactical specifics, sure. I just think it's what we want to lay out mm-hmm. first, right? I will say this is the first time where I've genuinely felt like there was a golfing class yeah. between the US and Mexico. I know people have been saying it for a little while, but even the Gold Cup final, right? Mm-hmm. 1-0 win for Mexico. US had some chances. It was a hard fought. It actually could have gone yeah. either way, right? Even though Martino did win the tactical battle, it seemed like, oh, this could go differently a different day. Or Belhata could make some different choices mm-hmm. a different day. Watching this game, it really felt like Mexico had a plan, their plan worked, you could tell what their style was and what they were trying to do. The US 
had a plan and you could see what they were trying to do. But this is the first time I'd argue, one, we couldn't quite execute it. And two, maybe, especially on the defensive side, it was the wrong plan. Yeah, I would say two things. I would say one, I would say you could even see what they were trying to do. You could see what they wanted to do, but Mm -hmm. were not able to do. And with that in mind, I would say it's the first time that I've ever seen a United, it, I don't think the U.S. could have played the way Mexico did from a technical or tactical standpoint. I, it just—it was the first time in a long time, if not ever, that I have felt like, oh, the United States just is not capable of that right now. That the players cannot do some of the things that Mexican players were doing on the evening. And I think, yeah, and just to give a little taste of that, it's when you see the U.S. trying to play out of pressure. Yeah. Um, you don't see them have like that extra bit of technique to create a bit of space to make it work. Instead, the ball goes back to Zach Steffen a lot. Yeah, and then if you don't have that technique already, or maybe it's like already kind of a little bit beneath yeah. your opponent, and then you get hit early, or in this case, if you just feel like you can't kind of get your game rolling, whereas Mexico, it felt like we're kind of on the front foot early and throughout, then you don't have the confidence either. And so if you're already like a little bit down from a technical standpoint, but then you also don't have the confidence, I think it removes you one step further. And so you're never going to be inclined to play forward. You're never yeah. going to be able to or try to turn into pressure or beat somebody one-on-one unless you're Christian Pulisic. You're going to play the ball backwards. So should we talk about this and should we start sure. with uh, the U.S. with the ball mm-hmm. and what, what we think they were trying to do and why it didn't work. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing, which will come as no surprise to anyone, is that they wanted to build out of the back. Yeah. That the idea was, I think, to pull Mexico forward and try to stretch Mexico out a little bit and then find gaps and pockets of space. Mm-hmm. If you have to, you can go long. But I think the goal was to have enough players kind of pulled around that if you do go long, it's a 1v1 situation and then you can pick up the loose ball. Yeah. But I think what ended up happening was the United States kind of got forced into kicking that ball long, not when they wanted to, but because they kind of had to. And as a result, they're never hitting it cleanly they're never hitting it accurately it's sort of a wishful like, ball yeah, walk a Zimmerman just bang it down the line yeah. and hope for the best kind of but thing. that's yeah. still because they're forced into their plan B yeah. and then they can't even execute plan B they're basically in plan C because mm-hmm. plan A was play out of the back play quick move the ball like I said that one sequence when they do it successfully is when they looked really good aside from that Mexico really just snuffed it out put them under pressure never let the United States get comfortable and so they could not possess out of the back but actually I would even disagree with myself in terms of Zimmerman just banging it down the line I yeah. think often you would see him trying to just float a pass into midfield and it would just get cut out right Guardado or Herrera or Rodriguez or someone would be on it Mm -hmm. and and I think yeah and I would agree and that is an important clarification because it's the old probably incorrect definition of like insanity of like trying the same thing over and over and over again (laughs) and expecting different results not necessarily the case but here yeah kind of chipping lofting the ball out of the back sort of centrally and hoping that it's going to come off over and over and over again and watching it not come off is a big old red flag for and me. We saw, and we said Walker Zimmerman, but we saw a lot of people oh, yeah. do this, right? Including Zach Steffen. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of misplaced sort of diagonals that he tried to play out to fullbacks or yeah. balls he tried to chip into midfield. Um, and then obviously there's, there's the goal that he's involved in that was on the floor but yeah. very bad. And, and uh, if, if folks missed it, when I talked to Joe Lowry, one of the things I pointed out, which I thought was very uh, good of him or clever of Joe Lowry, is when he did his Gold Cup review, he talked about Steffen having to go long and how that didn't seem like a thing that they wanted to do, the United States was trying to do, but that they were forced into, Burhalter in the press conference before this game said, like, yeah, we were forced into going long through Zach Steffen. We didn't want that. And so here it's almost like Zach Steffen was told, do not go long. At most, go intermediate. And so he kept of, going intermediate to the channels. Do you feel they overcorrected for that second yes. half of the Gold Cup final yes. where instead of, like, eventually going long to get mm-hmm. out of pressure, we would just pass and pass and pass. But because we said earlier, because there's not that extra bit of technique or extra bit of confidence mm-hmm. to shake a player off and create some space – Instead, we pass backwards and backwards and backwards, right? Yes. And so many times it was like, 
Reggie Cannon passing it to Zach Steffen, and Zach Steffen was like inside his own mm-hmm. six-yard box. That's not building out of the back, right? When you build out the back through your goalkeeper, your goalkeeper's on the edge of his own area and like really forcing the game and we're moving the opposition around. It was more like we were running scared and just trying not to give the ball away, but also being too scared to like go direct and eventually giving the ball away in a tough spot. Yeah, the, I agree wholeheartedly because if you pause like at any given moment when the United States is trying to possess out of the back, uh, we went back and watched some of the some of the first half, and you could see like, okay, pause here. Woolchap has the ball; he's facing his own goal. Could he play like a first touch ball, kind of reverse diagonally into the channel for someone to run onto? Maybe. Could he maybe turn and play the ball to the opposite side of the field? Maybe. We don't know for sure, but like there are the moments where maybe he could have turned, maybe he could have tried to do something else, but instead he dropped it back or played it square, and then the ball went backwards. And I'm talking about Woolchap here, but that could have been any player you want. This could even have been McKenney. Yeah. yeah. And it just it felt like no one ever really backed themselves to turn and try to make something yeah. happen with a little bit of pressure. The, I would say the only one who did sort of routinely was Christian Pulisic, and I think that's because that's what he has been told to do. Yeah, just run at people essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. there was times when he broke free, but that can't be our game plan. It's just hope that Christian Pulisic dribbles past four people. Uh, no. It's just I not mean, enough. Then, then it shouldn't be. It then, you're like that, it was. then you're that team that's like a bad team with one good player, and the plan is give it to that good player and hope he dribbles at people. <laughs> All right, here's the, here's the thing I want to get to yeah. is – the reason the U.S. had trouble playing mm-hmm. out of the back in a way that maybe they didn't against, say, Jamaica in the Gold Cup or against Panama um, is because Mexico did such a great job of the press. Yep. Right? They did a really good job of putting the U.S. under pressure. And I think when we're breaking down this game from a tactical standpoint, it's worth highlighting what Mexico did, uh, both because later we'll talk about the U.S.'s defensive pressure and how we didn't do the same thing, mm-hmm. but just how effective Mexico were. Yeah, I, I want to like highlight a word that you used a couple times when we were reviewing this game. Like, on no second swearing watch. on the show? I, I, you didn't swear as much. <laughs> I think I was mostly swearing. You talked a lot. Well, I don't know if you meant to do this or if you were aware of this. You talked a lot about being brave and bravery. And I think that is really the, the takeaway for me in this game. Watch Mexico decide to press, and they are brave. They yeah. make that decision, and they go. And you see the whole team step forward. They back themselves to make the United States uncomfortable. And worst case scenario, we're going to be in a contested long ball situation and we'll get numbers around the the loose ball that pops up. But more often than not, they sent those numbers forward and everybody, when Chicharito went, everybody went. Everybody aggressively stepped and they blocked off options and then they pressed some more and they blocked off more options Mm -hmm. and suddenly it's almost this suffocating thing where you're in the corner and you've lost all your territory and you just got to get rid. In the corner is the important part because here's a big thing that I spotted. I'm really confident and this is what Mexico were doing, they would concentrate the press sort of on the side that the ball was on and like leave the, I guess you call it the weak side in the US, mm-hmm. right? Leave the weak side open, right? Yeah. So if it's like Cannon and Zimmerman over on the right have got the ball, they would swarm over there mm-hmm. and kind of leave Sergino Dest unmarked. But there are enough numbers around the ball that it's not easy to play that crossfield ball to Sergino Dest. And even if you do, um, who's the guy who played on the right wing? Uh, Tecatito yeah. um, would be at least halfway between Dest and the ball. So if you try a lofted ball, like yeah. a big diagonal, there's a good chance he'll cut it out anyway, right? So in that way, they absolutely cornered us and suffocated us. I agree with everything you said. And then I would add that like the thing that I thought was most impressive about what Mexico were doing is the second part of what you were saying because you can run you can run at people and run and run and run and try to put people under pressure and send everybody forward and swarm and kind of be brave and back yourself to do that but it was little aspects of the positioning to your point about Tecatito you're right he's not like stretched out marking Sergino Dest as the outlet and he's not even marking like Aaron Long or somebody like that but he's sort of vaguely near them so that if you're Walker Zimmerman 
and you're coming under the pressure you've been coming under, and you kind of look in your periphery to your left, you're going to see a Mexican player blocking off that option, and you're not even going to look again. Yeah. And that's what they were so good about is like even in the areas where they didn't press, they still had a presence that put off the United States yeah. completely. So it's like man-to-man pressure mm-hmm. on the one mm-hmm. side and then zonal marking over the yeah. other side so that it's still – basically covered right yeah. and the u.s just did not have an answer to it they did not i mean it, it was really impressive to watch and then simultaneously really saddening yeah. to watch oh. Uh, oh. and then well so one, one interesting thing you were asking earlier about the yeah. continuation of the gold cup mm-hmm. final one thing in the gold cup final was that mexico essentially man marked our midfielders so they couldn't really receive the ball without mm-hmm. pressure i think they kind of just did that again right so every time you saw mckinney or trap um or morales receive the ball mm-hmm. Mexican player on yep. them. Yeah. Mexican player on them every time. To the extent that, like, for the second goal, when uh, USA turned the ball over, Mexico score, like, uh, I think it's... Uh, the Gutierrez uh, is Le- Le- Yeah, uh, Legette gets the ball, and he doesn't... I think Gutierrez is, like, 10 or 15 yards away, but Legette never looks to turn, and I think it's because he knows there's going to be pressure on me. If I turn, I'm probably going to get robbed. It's like he's already been beaten into submission exactly. by constantly being under pressure. He yep. just assumes he can't turn, right? Yep. And then you're the team that can't mm-hmm. play out of the back. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about what the United States tried to do offensively or yeah. in possession. We talked about what Mexico did. Can we talk about what the United States tried to, being yes. very much the operative phrase, uh, do defensively? And I actually think this is almost more – I think this is more important because we. I've seen this throughout the Gold Cup and throughout the Berhalter regime, and it's been a thing I've not liked. Mm-hmm. And I think tonight was the time when I really, really didn't like it because it absolutely didn't work. Yes, and I think... Sorry, I didn't explain it at all. I just no, said I didn't No, 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 no. It's exactly what I said I wouldn't do at the top of the show. I'm all right with it. No, 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 but <laughs> I, I, I like that tease because, you know, teases are good. But I also, like, I want to say that was a very, like, helpful moment for me. It's why I enjoy watching the games with you in the way we do in the office because... As soon as you saw that, like listeners, Daryl was sort of like, "Oh no!" And not even not dramatically, but <laughs> like, you were, not this again. But you were just sort of like, "This is not going to work." Like yeah. in a very matter of fact, not dramatic, but just like, "I don't think this is going to work." They need to adjust this, and then they didn't. And it and it was, but it was a moment of like, "Yep, they haven't adjusted," and you can see the writing on the wall from literally the second minute. Yep. Okay. So to to explain it, mm-hmm. when the US attacked four three three, yep. when we defended. 4-4-2, yep. with essentially McKenney and Zardes as the, the mm-hmm. farthest two forward, right? So we get in this 4-4-2, and we don't really put pressure on the goalkeeper or the centre-backs. We have Zardes try and block off passes into the pivot midfielder, which was mostly Hector Herrera. Yep. But Mexico did a good job of rotating it around, right? So sometimes Guardado would come back um, as well. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we would, like, sometimes then McKenney would sprint out and pressure one centre-back. But then the centre-back would have options to his left and his it, right, right. It felt weirdly like uh, like when it was Herrera sitting in that it was like Herrera was the base and like Zardes and McKinney had to go like, touch him to make sure they were safe and then yeah. they could go run out further to try to do stuff. But so like if you're always going back and retreating to that one central point – then if Mexico passed the ball out to the right back, now like Zardes would go and McKenney would try to move over, but you're never really taking anybody away because a lot of times Hector Moreno, the left back or left center back, excuse me, was uh, wide open, and then even the goalkeeper was available for a drop, yeah. dropped off pass. So it ended up just being the case that like even when the United States were sort of doing what they wanted to do with those front two, yeah. there were still plenty of passes on for so Mexico. It's, so it's like we applied pressure, mm-hmm. but never cut anything out, never forced them into dangerous spots like they did to us when we had the ball mm-hmm. at the back. So 
we apply a little bit of pressure and force them to go back to the goalkeeper, but then the goalkeeper has two different people to pass to. Mm-hmm. So we're just letting them build and build and build and build, right? It's insane to me that he saved a penalty in this game, and yet you're right. Like, I, Orozco had no impact in my mind in this game because, I mean, he had a great game, yeah. but it's just more so like... If you watch, he was almost like a third centre-back. Exactly. Though. Yeah, yeah I mean, but he did so many things in this game, but it was just there was so much other stuff done by Mexico and not yeah. done by the United States that, yeah, even talking about the goalkeeper making a penalty save and being in, like instrumental in keeping possession, I'm still sort of like, yeah, but still. <laughs> so we think yeah. you and I think because mm-hmm. we talked about this during the game that the idea of having that 4-4-2 and then light pressure on the centre-backs always outlets for the mm-hmm. centre-backs don't let it go through Hector Herrera or the, the pivot midfielder was we wanted to try and force them long mm-hmm. right but I think Mexico were either wise to that or just better at the long balls than we were because in the end they would they would eventually sometimes get bored like mm-hmm. switching it from left back to centre back to right back and they'd be like all right we're enough of this they'd go down the wing to say Tecatito yep. and either he would literally win it in the air or the US would win it but we'd put it out for a throw in yep. and then Mexico have advanced 50 yards like mm-hmm. if it was the NFL that would be a really good play I mean it reminds me I'll, I'll, or they'd I'll win the second ball after the knockdown and then they'd be away because they would sw- after they play yeah. that long ball they swarm it right they chase it chase after it and suddenly they're all over us and maybe it's because of the way this game finished and the overall kind of tone coming out of this game but like it reminds me of uh, in Jurassic Park where like the velociraptors are like probing the fences to see where the vulnerabilities are yeah. like that's what it felt like even when Mexico were sort of doing what we wanted them to do it still felt like they were like does this work can i play it here can i try that okay that's not quite on like it always felt like they were sort of figuring us out yeah with relative ease and then except in this version they get us in the kitchen and they eat us alive yeah exactly <laughs> we don't even make it to the kitchen <laughs> we forget to turn the power onto the fences is what happens um but like but yeah and so you're right that even when they would go long it ended up being they would either win the sec- the loose ball or the united states would put it out and be a throw-in you know but why because even- we're stretched out as well because we that 442 is not compact yeah. it's because we've sort of had zardes like go chasing mm-hmm. something or mckenny go chasing something and pulisic's not sure do i go with the right back or do i mark off the midfielder and when they do go long we're so stretched out that when there's the second ball they're in a really good position charging forward to win it so i interrupted you but i feel like that no. was an important yeah, uh, that's fine. note no. of why they won all those second balls yeah it's because we didn't have like a all-out aggressive press and we didn't have a let's stay compact in this 4-4-2 it's like let's have the 4-4-2 but then bits of it will fall well apart. i think it's because mexico the thing i was going to say to that was like they were just more patient and i think we almost set up in this way of like okay mexico are going to play from like goalkeeper to center back center back to the right back and then the right back will obviously have to kick it long because now they've kind of exhausted their passing options and instead, Mexico were just like, no, we'll just move it back to the other center back. And then slowly, the United States would eventually kind of a couple drift forward and a couple drift forward. It was never a cohesive press. It was never an all-out attack. But it sort of allowed Mexico to almost set the United States up to find, okay, now that long ball's on. Yeah. Because everybody stretched out and pulled apart. And this guy's drifted over. And this guy hasn't moved over. And now there's space in the middle. We can ping that ball it's in. So like we see them poking the fence. Yeah. And we're just like, yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, we're like, let's widen the fence. <laughs> let's make it even easier for them to poke through. I'm tired of them getting burned. So that's the problem, right? It's neither yeah. one thing nor the other. It's not the like real high aggressive pressure that Mexico did mm-hmm. to us. And it's not a sit back, there's no way you can break us down. It's yeah. just somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And when you have a something in between, you often get exploited. All right. Well, let's talk about how the United States got exploited. <sighs> but first, let's talk about uh, today's sponsor. Let's take a break to talk about calmer things, <laughs> it's good shall we? We have ads on the show to calm us down. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. And, and I would say for uh, for the sponsor for today, uh, our friends over at Dollar Shave Club, yep. um, you should definitely try to be calm when you're using those products. Because I feel like if you're like angry and agitated and all over the place and then you're trying to shave – 
bad things could happen. I'm sure the dollar shave club razor, the executive razor, would be fine. You're, you're probably right. You're right. Never mind. Get get amped up and then go for it. <laughs> but I, I would prefer the, the quality of the products is high. I would say sh- shave like a Mexico national team under Tata Martino, which is like effectively and efficiently, but like be calm and take your time, but then be quick when you know you've you've got the line yeah, that you want to mark you out. Too, but always have good technique. Exactly. <laughs> so we've been we've been with Dollar Shave Club for a mm-hmm. while now. So we've yep. used lots of their products: the razor, the prep scrub that I love, the shampoo. You like the prep scrub? I like the prep scrub. Really? I've mentioned it before. Have you? We don't need to go into it again. Do you know who else likes the prep scrub? Who's that? Uh, my wife a lot. Oh, okay. The, I didn't realize like I was noticing how all of our supply of Dollar Shave Club products was like slowly dwindling, like mm-hmm. the shampoo, the soap, the face wash, and I was like, I. I'm not using this stuff as much. So I was asking Margaret the other day, and she confirmed that, yes, she uses all those products. She all likes right. them very, very much. Shannon stole one of the toothbrushes. See? There it is. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Which has actually become a problem because now we have the exact same toothbrush. It's an issue. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we have to have like a system of who goes in the front and who goes in the nail back. Nail polish, my friend. So we- nail, nail polish? polish? Mar- Margaret put nail oh. polish on the handle of hers. See? Oh, you guys might be domestically smart. Yeah, us. she's smart. She No, she <laughs> is smart. <laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> so even if your wife steals your products, yeah. Dollar Shave Club has you covered. There you go. Head to toe. Mm -hmm. They have everything you need to shower, shave, style your hair, brush your teeth, and even wipe your butt. And if everything does get stolen uh, by your significant other or others, uh, they also will keep you automatically stocked up up with the products you use. You get what you want whenever you need it, Mm -hmm. whether that's once a month or a few times a year. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. So um, if you would like to put the quality of Dollar Shave Club's products to the test, the ultimate shave starter set is basically everything you need for an amazing shave. It's got the executive razor. It's got the shave butter, the prep scrub and the post-shave do. The best part is you can try it for just $5. I think the prep scrub is new in this deal, right? I think so. I think they've heard us talk about the prep scrub so much. They're like, all right, we'll add it. We'll add it. I'm not sure it was us who was talking about the prep scrub so much. Some of the people might as well. (laughs) No, I'm saying saying it was you specifically. Oh, I see. (laughs) So the ultimate shave starter set, it's just $5. Mm -hmm. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. Get your ultimate starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash T-S-S. What's that URL, Taylor? That would be dollarshaveclub.com slash T-S-S. Oh, that was your most salesman voice I've heard. Yes, it was. <laughs> Thank you very much to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring today's episode. Certainly, and for distracting us from the US yeah. for at least a little while. That's good. That's All good. Right. And, and if you feel extra dirty after watching the United States get destroyed, <laughs> the prep scrub exfoliate, it gets it off there, it's you're good to, to go. It's just for your face, <laughs> exactly. but if you just watch this game, use it head to toe. I am probably going to go home and take a deep, deep shower. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got lots of Dollar Shave Club products to make me feel clean a after a deep, deep beating by Mexico. So we've talked about tactical big picture stuff. Yeah. Shall we talk about the goals? I suppose we must. All three goals. Yeah. All right, so Chicharito scores mm-hmm. the first in the 21st minute. It's a wonderful header from him yeah. after that Tecatito cross. But Chicharito has a lot more going on in this play he than, than just that header. So I started to rewind, rewind at halftime because we wanted to see, like, okay, what are Mexico doing? When does the United States give them possession? And we kept going back and we kept going back and yeah. we kept going back. And it's a good long sequence. I believe it was 27 passes Mexico have that leads to this goal. Um, and it starts with what we've already talked about, Walker Zimmerman sort of being forced into yeah, yeah. that sort of lofted ball up the field. And not like he's the culprit, right? I think the U.S. No. system is the culprit, and he ends up having to play some sort of weird lofted pass into him. But, like, this goal, this entire sequence is, like, the thesis statement, the best yes, description of this game, because it's Mexico putting the United States under pressure, forcing them into one side, U.S. have to play long, Mexico regain possession off that long ball, work it around, probe, look for vulnerabilities, eventually pull the United States to one side, exploit the other, and then kind of roast the United States 1v1, and then also score a pretty goal. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, you said that we talked about how the U.S. sort of press or whatever it was, 442, Mm -hmm. didn't work. And you said this is like a thesis statement. They really did walk us back, right, by moving the ball left Mm -hmm. to right, left to right, left to right, left to right, left to right. And now we just attack you down the right wing. Yeah. We're already there. Center backs have the ball and they're 10 yards inside inside your half. Yes. And but like it it is really interesting to see how Mexico gets to that point because yes. like because at one point there's like Orozco plays like the, the long ball thank you like a long ball to the left side that's, that's picked up yeah, yeah and it's picked up and they're like we assume right there like oh they're 15 yards inside the US's half that must be the ball it's an amazing ball and then Mexico play backwards all the way back to the center back mm-hmm. and they move it around. But I think that, again, is representative of what they were doing. That if you're the United States, okay, we all got to collapse on that side because now they found a way to possess in our half. But then when they move the ball backwards, now you sort of have to stretch out again. But you're not doing it from the basis that you want to be. Now you're trying to like get forward and react. And maybe you're five yards too far back to then actually close down. And then maybe you're five yards too far right to be yep. able to get over. And suddenly you're starting to get pulled apart. And another big part about this, uh, I think that you've already alluded to, is the presence of Chicharito. Oh, wow. Because rather than just sit between the two center backs and like try to find little gaps and see what happens, two or three different times in this sequence, three times. he drops all the way back into midfield or past midfield to almost be the holding midfielder and pick yeah. that ball up and also plays it very quickly. Usually it's one, t- one touch. Sometimes it's two touch. He's passed to Hector Moreno where he like bends yep. it across the field to mm-hmm. him. It might be the thing that opens up this whole move. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's because he sprints in. He, get, he makes himself available. If you go back and watch, he also tells people to stay out of that space yeah. about five seconds before the ball goes into it because he doesn't wants it open. Then he checks in, plays that ball. He pulls two U.S. players with him but then he sprints back towards the United States back line and now those players stay out and again you're opening up space the whole time and I don't want to depress us too much but mm-hmm. it did make me think like even Altador at his best yeah. doesn't come that deep and get that connected Mm-mm. Zardes doesn't Sargent doesn't we just don't have a player that does that no I mean right? Altador at his best doesn't play for Real Madrid well yeah <laughs> that's what I'm saying yeah. like it's 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 it is what I'm talking about where I say like it is the first time that I've been like oh right <laughs> like that that guy's real good <laughs> Because that is an incredible mm-hmm. level of play, right? To be coming back and connecting, but then also without leaving a hole in the attack. He always manages to connect, play deep, but as soon as the ball gets progressed forward, he gets himself in the box as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. this incredible ability to be in two places at once. Well, it's not. And like Chicharito is obviously a long-term veteran of this national team. I think maybe— five caps. There we go. Uh, I think maybe what it is, I, I am— I'm not an authority on, on Mexico. I'm not trying to say this is definitely what it's been. But I feel like in my mind, there's always been that like one attacker that we're afraid of. It was Chicharito when he like kind of first burst onto the scene of like, we got to mark him. He's got an incredible vertical. But then like Diego Lanez had that little run. Chucky Lozano had that. And like you had those moments where there was that key attacker. And it feels like this modern incarnation of Mexico suddenly have lots of different attacking options that yeah. like you can almost forget how good Chicharito is until he totally destroys your team. It was Jimenez because, in the yeah. final. And like, even like uh, Shaka Rodriguez, who is not a player that I'm as familiar with, he the number eight tonight? caused yeah. massive problems for like, literally wearing number eight and then also playing as like a number eight slash number 10. Yeah. Like caused tons of problems. And it just felt like there's so many weapons for Mexico right now that it's difficult to totally deal with. And then it's to- difficult to deal with if you're not maybe defending in a coherent way. Oh, yeah. So after Chicharito has come back and connected play multiple times and Mexico yeah. have worked the ball forward, worked the ball forward, they get the ball out to the right wing. Right. Oh, and it's initially um, – who's the, the right back? The right back is Sanchez. Mm-hmm. It's initially Sanchez. Um, then the ball gets to Tecatito, mm-hmm. and that's when we're suddenly in trouble. Yes, and and this is, I, I would say, probably one of Pulisic's uh, least good moments in yeah. this game because twice – 
he does some very maybe three times actually he does some very half-hearted defending yeah and that or at least ineffective he might be trying his hardest but he's not being successful exactly because yeah. I think he's not and I think this is the thing that Mexico were aware of is that if you put Pulisic on that left side and have him function as essentially a midfielder in a four four two yeah he's a left mid defender yeah. he's still going to want to get forward and his inclination is still going to be to cheat forward and I think that's also why Mexico tried to kind of set that side up to then attack down because yeah. if Pulisic's drifting forward and you've got a debutant eighteen year old starting at left back. That right there is sort of like a shining light of attack down that wing. It is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like attacking player with defensive weaknesses yeah. who also is like just not a big dude. Yeah. Um, and then, a, yeah, 18-year-old debutant at left back. And also, um, because uh, Chucky Lozano didn't start, Tecatito mm-hmm. is, I would argue, the best winger yep. they had. So we just go to him anyway. Yeah. Right? And and I think that like Pulisic gets beat. Like he gets beat on a 1-2. He doesn't do as good of a job defensively. But then... Dest is obviously going to be the one that we remember for getting megged in the lead up to this goal. Yeah. But it starts with, with Christian Pulisic biting on just a step over. Yeah. He completely thinks uh, Tecatito is going one way, so he tries to cover that one. And the move basically forced Pulisic away from goal and behind Tecatito so he can then kind of turn and go at Sergino Dest 1v1. What's the, movie, what's the movie, Balls? It's like a, it's like a step over, but then this, use the same foot to get away. He does a step over with his right foot, but then takes it with his the outside of his right foot that's at the it, same yeah, that's time. That's the so weirdness. Normally yeah. a step over is like left foot step over, right foot going, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I think that also maybe probably doesn't really uh like cause Sergino Dest any problems because Sergino Dest is probably not that like, oh he just did this step over, so he's <laughs> gonna do it again. But then because of that move, he's now in a one v one situation with Sergino Dest. And then it's another great little move from Tecatito where he again he like steps over the ball with his left foot. So he basically starts to do the scissors, and then as that left foot goes around the ball and touches the ground, he essentially passes it in the same motion with his right foot through the legs of Serginho Dest. Because the normal move would have been left foot scissor and then yeah. right foot push away to the end line. Exactly. Instead, it's right foot through, through like we're playing mini golf, yeah. through the legs of Serginho Dest. And that's why he's able to meg him, because Serginho Dest is shaping up to defend the left foot step over and then take yeah, it with yeah. the outside of the right. Left so foot he's step kind over of, opens up Dest's legs, right? Well, he's, yeah. he's, well, no, it's because he's like, yes, it does. But then Dest is trying to, I think, anticipate the, now he's going to take it with the oh, outside of his right. Yeah. So he turns to the end line and opens up to try to block that. And that's why he then gets megged by the right foot in-step pass. Oh. So it's really, really clever, really, really quick work from Tecatito and not the debut that I think Serginho Dest was hoping for. No, we can talk more about maybe Dest's mm-hmm. uh, game as a whole uh, after we get through some goals. Yeah. Because what happens next is important. Yeah. Tecatito picks out an absolutely unmarked all-time Mexican goal scorer. Yes, I, I, in tweet, I tweeted about this saying that like uh, Chicharito is really clever in that he waits to kind of announce himself until right when the ball is being served because he's so wide open. Wrong on that point. If you watch, he's in the box like, hey, hey, I'm yeah. wide open. No one is near me. I like. He's really like, I don't understand how this is possible. Please play the ball as quickly mm-hmm. as you can. So how is he open? How does he get there? Because he's very smart. Yep. And the U.S. defense is very not smart. Uh, <laughs> basically, Chicharito is involved in that little like wall pass sequence that initially throws off Christian Pulisic. Yeah. He's and, on the right wing. Yeah. He's already pulled himself out to the right wing. But then he goes drifting back towards the middle. He goes past Alfredo Morales, who I think as soon as he sees... Chicharito uh, going back to his kind of normal center forward position. He uh, Morales stays where he is to kind of defend that yeah, flank. Like, oh, that's a center back. Yeah, and he passes him on to Will Trap. I think Chicharito uh, runs around Will Trap. I'm not sure Will Trap even notices he's there because no. uh, we posted a photo of it to Twitter. Every single American player is staring at Tecatito, except for well, Chicharito is not American. Danger, danger, danger yeah. right? This yeah. thing's happening. Danger, danger. Everybody's focused on that, and while mm-hmm. everybody's focused on the right wing, Chicharito's just making his way to the left yeah. side of the goal. And 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 the key thing there is Chicharito's doing that yes but because everyone is so focused on Tecatito 
that right there is very revealing to me. And it's worth noting here that uh, we think John Brooks was supposed to start this game, was going to start this game, pulled yeah. out with a groin tightness. Uh, and then we know he's going to be sent back uh, after this game. So no John Brooks. But maybe some of the confusion comes about because they had to change this last minute. Could but be. it's worth noting here that like there is very little communication between Zimmerman and Long in this yeah. sequence. And neither of them is really paying attention to... They're very close to Exactly. Right? They're not paying attention to who they're supposed and to be marking Zimmerman or their spacing. marking Rodriguez. I think so. And Long is kind of fronting... Yeah. Rodriguez but then once Dest gets beat mm-hmm. it's Tecatito long goes to the end line yep. to try and block the cross mm-hmm. but then you've got your, your two centre backs over on the left mm-hmm. side on the US left yeah. side and you've got Chicharito over on the other side and Reggie Cannon marked up on the, on the far side yeah. so there's a huge gap Alvarado is probably yeah. and got, so yeah. there's a huge gap that Chicharito can just find and exploit and it's tough to assign blame because so many people drop the ball on this one mm-hmm. that like you could blame Zimmerman but then Zimmerman is trying to mark somebody you could blame Aaron Long for getting pulled out you could blame Dest for getting med you could blame Will Trapp for not tracking Chicharito you could blame Stefan for not being aware of what's going on inside his own box you could really blame like six players on the US for this I one. blame Chicharito and Tecatito that's fair <laughs> <laughs> you should blame them, and the Mexican uh, press and fans will credit them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the first goal. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the second goal. If we must. The second goal was probably the most painful one to watch, I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely true. This is the 78th-minute goal. It ends with Zach Steffen trying to pass to Alfredo Morales. Mm-hmm. It's picked off. I think, is it Herrera gets a toe yeah. in? And then Gutierrez, have, Eric Gutierrez having just subbed in, essentially can just pass it into the back of the net. I think he comes on on the 76th. So, yeah, really Ooh. does just come on. But, it's it's again, this is another great sequence in terms of analyzing what Mexico did well and what the United States did not. Because yeah. it's it's a throw-in for Mexico is where this starts, and it's kind of overthrown. I think it ends up being Weston McKinney who collects no, it. Morales gets a toe-in, and yeah, McKinney connects it. And then that. he collects it, he plays it back, and then it's kind of like it's increasingly panicked and uncertain passes as like it, it feels almost like a game of hot potato. Of like, I don't want to be the one who's caught. I don't want to be the one who's caught. And so you keep trying to get rid of it. And like, there's so many different things we could spotlight. It ends up with Stefan trying to play it to Morales, as you said, poked away by Herrera. Good finish from Gutierrez. But like, I want to note here that if if Aaron Long were Jordan Morris, I would be losing my mind because this is the first time I've really ever seen your point about if you're going to have a left center back, you want them to be able to have, have a, a left foot. Right. Because Aaron Long very clearly does not back his left foot when it comes to pressure passing because he waits. He kind of has to like shape up to be able to play it with his right foot into Weston. This, this is after Legette plays it back to him. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he kind of has to like put it onto his right foot to pass it to Weston McKinney. I think if he opens up and plays that ball first time down the channel, you evade at least some of the pressure. And, and Lovitz is probably open. Yeah, I think so. Point, yeah. But because he doesn't have that open up, opened up like left foot that he can kind of ping that ball into Lovitz, he has to sort of shovel push the ball to Weston McKinney. And so right there, you're already now playing a like not quite a hospital ball but not quite not a hospital ball and McKinney's under pressure like That's even insane. before the ball is played to him right yeah. so McKinney has no choice I don't think but to go backwards yeah. I think watching it again he maybe shouldn't have gone all the way back to Stefan I Mm-mm. think he could have gone square to like Legette maybe yeah and this is sorry to interrupt but like this is one thing we were talking about earlier or I was talking about earlier is like this is a sequence where you can pause it at every pass and say like that ball should have gone there if they back themselves uh, 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 Sebastian Legette has, he's it really the, starts there right? he's, he's a big the one offender that, here he's the one that receives the ball mm-hmm. um, who does he receive it from he receives it from Miles Robinson mm-hmm. right um, and he's not immediately under pressure, nope. right? I think Gutierrez... He's like 10 yards away. He's yeah. 10 yards and sprinting at him, but he had time to take a touch, turn, and then he could have found 
multiple players. Yeah, and right? if anything, that's what you want. You want the person who's like, oh, shoot, I'm 10 yards away. I've got to go full speed sprinting to try to put pressure on because now they're coming at you 100%. Yeah, and you a quick little, way, exactly, yeah. a quick little touch and you're around them. And like Jordan Morris had done really well to show centrally like 30 yards upfield. If that ball gets dropped from like Legette to, I think it was Morales who's in position, like drop it back, ping ball up the field. Now Jordan Morris has right. got it in wide open space. But I think, again, if you don't have the confidence, if you don't quite back yourself and you're worried about being the one to mess up, you play the safe pass, or what even appears to be the safe pass. It feels safe at the time, but you're yeah. just slowly getting pushed back yeah. into the corner. And that's what. Ha- and then it's it's a it's a not very good pass from Long to McKinney. I think McKinney under pressure plays a not very great ball back to Stefan. Stefan has to try to come get it, and then he plays a not Stephen's very smart under pass. under pressure from Chicharito, yep. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he plays a not very smart pass to Morales, who can't even get to the ball because. Yeah. And it's not like he's slow to react or anything like that. It's no, just, the pass wasn't going to his feet. You know, it was like <laughs> out in front of him and perfectly in position for Hector Herrera to come in and just poke away. And then it's it's what one touch from Gutierrez and the second touch is in the yeah. back of the net. I think it's worth pausing here to maybe think about um, is Zach Steffen good enough for us to be going through him so much? Because there have been multiple mistakes, mm-hmm. and there's like this high profile type mistake where it results in a goal like this, where he's literally passing it and it's getting picked off. Yeah. But there's also lots of smaller ones where he was just trying to you know play diagonal balls out to the right and the left, and they were getting picked off or they were going out of bounds. That- I, I st- I'm starting to think that. Even if he's our best goalkeeper mm-hmm. with his feet, it might not be good enough to play the way we're yeah. playing. I mean, I think as as countless other people have already pointed out about this game, at a certain point, you just got to get rid of the ball. And like we we yeah. have those moments in in our like adult league practices where the like our defense will get caught and turn the ball over, and the team will shoot wide, and we're like, "Hey guys, next time, just get rid of the ball, yeah. just get it up the field." And it seems like they were so focused on trying to retain possession that it meant that Stefan was trying a lot of like high risk passes just to sort of keep that game plan alive. But to your point, even the ones that were sort of should have been on ended up being played like five yards behind a player or five yards in front of the player yeah. or five yards over the player's head and out of bounds. Hey, okay. It's it's troubling. It's a troubling situation to be in. And maybe with that in mind, we should take a break again <laughs> to calm ourselves down before we talk about <laughs> the third goal and what happens from here. Does that work for you, my that friend? That works for me. All right, All right. Today's show is sponsored by... Fubo! Yay, Fubo! Fubo it's a genuine bright spot in an otherwise sad world. It is. So we watched some of this game on Fubo. We did. Because we now have Fubo in our office, yep. thanks to uh, Roku. It's an mm-hmm. app on Roku, Apple TV. Uh, what's the other one? Amazon Fire. Yep. You can get it through all that kind of stuff. Or you can just go to their website, watch it on your laptop or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. We have, I don't really want to like throw our cable provider under the bus, uh, but let's just call them uh, Omcast. And uh, <laughs> no, it's not a Comcast, actually. That's where internet's through. I don't want to throw the other one under the bus. But basically... Like we have that feature sometimes where like we'll try to go backwards a couple seconds just to see what happened, yeah. and then we hit it like once too many, and suddenly we go back to the beginning of the game or to halftime. <laughs> you don't have that problem with Fubo because you, you can do just not. do the gentle hold and rewind, and then you let go and you're right where you want to be, not 45 minutes yeah, prior to where you were. Nice and navigable. It's right? very easy. It's also Fubo is the only sort of uh, streaming service mm-hmm. or what's what, what do they call it? Un, un, uh, the thing where you disconnect from cable. You cut the cord? Cut the cord. Yeah. The only cord cutting service that is... I feel like you so- went out of your way to not say the, the term. I couldn't remember I, I know, but it was like, what's remember. it called when you disconnect the wire that... <laughs> <laughs> so come on, Daryl. <laughs> it is the only cord cutting service that is soccer-focused. Yes. Fubo is all about soccer. If it, that is never more clear than on a, like... 
not during the international window, but like during the league play on a Saturday or Sunday morning when you go to the Fubo app and it's just like game, 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 game. Yeah, because they set it up where you can go through the calendar, you can click soccer, and you just got here's all the games you can watch today. It is so luxurious. That's when I start hitting the DVR. I want to like too many. feed myself like a pile of grapes and just be like, which game <laughs> shall I watch today? Have someone fan you. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. That's the goal. That's the long-term goal. Fubo should add that feature. <laughs> so they do have 4K. Mm-hmm. So if you have a 4K TV like we do, you can watch games in 4K for mm-hmm. the channels that provide it. They yes. have. You can even see the sadness on the players' faces oh. as they get torn apart. You can, they have a cloud DVR, mm-hmm. so you can record loads and loads and loads of games. Mm-hmm. And they have the 72-hour rewind where if yep. you forget to press record on the DVR, you've still got three days to catch up on a game that you might have missed um, if it aired on a soccer channel. This will come as a surprise to no one, but uh, Daryl Grove never forgets to hit record. His, uh, his co-host forgets all the time <laughs> and uses the on-demand feature regularly. So between us, we got it covered. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Provided you're here, yes. <laughs> then we got it covered. Yes, yeah, so uh, I appreciate all of those uh, many, many things that Fubo has to offer. And if folks would like to appreciate it themselves, they could do so, Daryl Grove. And how could they do so? Oh, I've forgotten the URL. Is it fubotv.com slash... TSS? You got it. Yes. There you go. FuboTV.com slash TSS. You did it. FUBOTV.com slash TSS uh, to get, as Gerald said, 4K TV, 500 hours of cloud storage, and 72-hour replays on all kinds of soccer content, and 10% off uh, for your first two months by going to FuboTV.com slash TSS. And you know what else you get on Fubo? What's that? You now get the Cooligan Show. Oh, yeah. People, right. we haven't, this is the first Fubo read we've done mm-hmm. since the Cooligans announced that they're going to be mm-hmm. putting some content on Fubo. So if you want to see the Cooligans, Fubo is the way to do it. I'm really excited to mute Alexis's parts. It's going to be great. <laughs> Can't wait. Why do you always pick on Alexis? It's, it's easy. It's fun. And Christian's nice. <laughs> I feel like you think Christian can't take it. I think Christian's tougher than you think he is. Oh, no, it's not that. It's just more so it, it's fun because Christian doesn't really get rattled. You can get Alexis a little bit rattled. And that's, <laughs> and that's when he starts lashing out and making fun of my voice. That's when I know I got him. <laughs> so to see Alexis mm-hmm. get rattled, yeah. uh, FuboTV.com slash TSS, 10% off your first two months. All right. Now let's talk USA Mexico again. Oh, no, we still have one no, more goal. <laughs> we are. We got one more. So Antuna's goal mm-hmm. in the 82nd minute. This is the big old counterattack. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the United States put together a decent passing sequence yeah. here. Is it Morales uh, finds Sargent through the middle? Yes, yeah. Sargent probably should have played Reggie Cannon a little bit sooner, and I think that attack maybe comes to something a bit more threatening. Instead, they kind of like slow it down as the United States did the entire game. Mexico get into a decent defensive shape so that when Reggie Cannon does eventually get the ball and then play it in, Mexico are there to kind of clean it up. And this is the thing that stood out to me. It's, it's I think it's Shaka Rodriguez. We couldn't quite see from the replay. I think he's the one who comes through and collects that ball uh, that's been driven in by Reggie Cannon and he kind of one time plays an outlet it's ball nice to Chuck Lozano I noted this 81.45 is when he plays that ball like when his foot touches it 81.57 the ball is in the goal Oof. so 12 seconds from the top of Mexico's penalty area to back of the net so people will blame Alfredo Morales for this goal because yeah. after Rodriguez mm-hmm. plays that ball to Lozano, Lozano's basically, I think Holden, Stu Holden in the commentary called yeah. it a stop and go. Yeah. Like he does like stop and then just accelerate yeah. the way and Morales has and he does lost that, him. As you just did, he kind of does the like faint to the right and yeah, slow up and then cut back and, and go. Then, yeah. then goes away. Mm. Um, I think Morales is just exposed on the counterattack. I also think he was on a yellow card yes, at that point. Yes, he definitely was. So he couldn't professional foul take him out without getting no. sent off. But he, I mean, Morales it's has to great, cover. It's not but it's not all Morales is what I'm saying. No, it definitely is because, I mean, as I said, this is like a one-time, I think it's a one-time ball out from Rodriguez to 
uh, Chucky Lozano, and Morales is like 15 yards away, maybe 10 yards away. So he has to like get across as fast as he can. And to my, like what I was saying earlier about Gutierrez, like if you're sprinting as fast as you can, you're not you're not going to be approaching that in the best possible defensive position, yeah. and that's very obvious here. Once uh, Chucky is able to get around Morales, that's when I think we both were sort of like, oh, this is going to be a goal. Yeah. Like, there's no way it won't be. It's I think. 3v2, maybe 4v2 at that point. Yeah. And it's the U.S. center backs just kind of scrambling, dropping back, doing what they can. Uh, Aaron Long, I think, tries to play the offside line, but also take away options. And I think it's really no blame on him. He ends up being like a hilarious amount deeper than, like, than he probably should have been. But it's tough to deal with at any given moment. And then it's just a good finish from Uriel Antuna. So do we blame Sargent for playing that ball too late? Do we blame Cannon for having his cross cut out? I mean, I think I think this is just one of those games where you could you could put a little bit of blame on anybody, but it's it's sort of at this point I think the United States are finally realizing like, hey, we should maybe be aggressive and try to go for it, and they've committed. I think you counted seven attackers yeah. forward, yeah, yeah. and then once Morales gets b- bypassed, both fullbacks, Cannon's yeah. up, and I think it's probably Lovitz at this point. It's definitely, yeah. right. Lovitz is up as well. And I would venture to guess that there's probably one who's like committed forward but not on screen because I do think it's Morales and then after that it's two center backs and a goalkeeper so yeah numbers not exactly favorable for uh, the United States dealing with that the odds were not ever in our favor they were not (laughs) they were not so we did get a penalty we did yeah it was actually a good bit of defensive and then attacking play from the US to win the penalty so before we talk about what happened when Josh Sargent stepped up to take it Mm -hmm. can we talk about how we won this penalty kick we we can because it it makes me happy that we drew a penalty it makes me angry that it took until the 87th 80th minute thereabouts or 84th minute I think for the United States to start playing like Mexico (laughs) this penalty comes from the United States working really really hard off the ball they finally get brave and commit numbers and Josh Sargent goes charging forward Reggie Cannon's all the way up there putting pressure on uh, Mexico goes left side and Orozco yeah. eventually has to hoof the ball long and then the United States because he, he I think he does it with the outside of his right foot because yeah. he doesn't have a very good left foot it's apparently bad. yeah but like it's him now being uncomfortable it's the reverse it's exactly what Mexico did to Stefan the entire game it's making the goalkeeper make an awkward kick out but you're not doing it in a way that's actually going to favor you instead the United States are able to win that 50-50 ball then they win the loose ball and then it's just a really smart pass in from Sebastian Legette it's a yeah. bending ball in for Jordan Morris who's making a direct run into space and it's a good run from Morris he and draws the right contact, over, right? he gets knocked yeah. over. And I know we're going to talk about individual players later on for just a little I bit. It was, Reyes. Over. it was Diego Reyes, I think. <laughs> but I want to say this, I, the, I love Jordan Morris in this game. <laughs> like He has the one heavy touch that he probably could have done better on the breakaway, but just the effort and enthusiasm and just the willingness to like work and try and try to do something yeah, and yeah. ends up drawing a penalty, I, I think he is one of the few U.S. players who I think can hold his head at least a little teeny tiny bit high. Yeah, Maybe not right. high, but like like somewhat up. Somewhat up. And then yeah. Christian Pulisic gives the ball to Josh Sargent mm-hmm. and says, here you go, score your first ever goal against yeah. the senior Mexican national team. Yeah. And instead, Sargent goes, uh, from his perspective, bottom left. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit too high. It's not quite in the corner. Orozco stretches out and saves it. I also think maybe Sargent made it very clear where he was going. I yelled an expletive. I'm not trying to like take credit for this or anything like that, but like I yelled an expletive as he was starting his run-up. Like, I, I knew he was going to miss it because you could tell by his disposition like right before taking it that whenever the forward kind of stands there over the ball and like looks down staring at it, you can see them kind of breathing deeply doesn't necessarily make you feel like they're confident. Yeah. And just the way he very specifically, almost like a place kicker in the NFL, like specifically takes his steps back, like he's measuring off exactly how he wants to do it. And the thing that really put it over the top was right as he goes to take it, John Strong reminds us that it was his first penalty at senior professional level. Yeah. And that felt like in this game, 
that does not feel like it's good. It's there are those games every now and then where there's just going to be nothing positive, and this felt like that game. And so when it's three nil and the United States get a penalty, it felt like the narrative was going to be he's going to miss this because you don't. It would be strange for it to be like, oh, 3-1, and like, Josh Sargent got a penalty, so that's kind of good, right? <laughs> and in the end, he does end up missing it, and it's not that well taken. I think he doesn't put as much power behind it as he wants to. He gets a little lift on it, so it is in a savable position, and then, yeah, Orozco does what he needs to do. So what do we think? Because like, I remember at the time thinking, I get it. I kind of think, oh, Christian Pulisic is in some ways showing leadership and looking to the future by saying, all right, Josh Sargent, this mm-hmm. is yours. You have this moment for yourself, and at least we'll have this Going out of this game, we'll have Josh Sargent scored a penalty against Mexico. And then um, the, the con yeah. side of that is maybe we should be taking this game more seriously and just making sure we score this penalty as opposed to thinking, oh, it'd be nice to build for the future if Josh Sargent takes it. So I have two, two perspectives on this one. I will give you mine and then I will give you someone else's whose is correct. Um, <laughs> my, my, mine in the moment was like I have been in this position where in our – again, I'm comparing adult league to national league. I'm yeah. not stupid or national team. I'm not saying that's the same. But like – I've yeah, drawn. Don't leave points for at stake. This is true. Uh, <laughs> I've, you're right. It's way more important. I've drawn penalties before. I mean, like, I don't want to take it. Like, I'm just not. I've been kicked around, or I'm just not in the right mindset, or I just don't really want to do it. And Pulisic had been getting kicked around. He gets shoved over. He gets into altercations. I, I can't remember if he ever actually gets a yellow card. He was visibly frustrated. Yeah, about and that. so like you could. There's a decent chance that he was just like, yeah, I'm just not in the right mindset. I don't want to take it. So that's my perspective on, uh, perspective on it. Uh, Felipe Cardenas and Hercules Gomez, who are two people that I very much respect. Yeah. Hercules Gomez especially pointed out that, like, you can be frustrated that Josh Sargent doesn't score that, but he's a 20-year-old who steps up to take a penalty for the United States in front of a massive crowd, a very loud and intimidating crowd, when nobody else really seemed like they wanted to. And even if he misses it, it shows that he has the kind of guts to take that in a way that maybe other U.S. players did not on the occasion. And so that is my sort of... Like frustrated but understanding way of under, of explaining this is just that like I get why maybe Pulisic wanted someone else to take it or let somebody else take it, but simultaneously if he's supposed to be our like get the ball to Pulisic and maybe he'll make something happen, you kind of want that person backing themselves to score that penalty to be like all right we got one let's see what else we can do for the final couple minutes and instead it finishes three 0 All right, fair enough. Does fair that make enough. sense? It does. Yeah, it does okay. make sense. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about player performance. I want to do that. I want to add real quick that when, like, at time of recording, we didn't go back and look for quotes from Pulisic about that or Sargent about that. So we don't know if like maybe Pulisic had like a tight groin and didn't want to take it. Maybe yeah. Josh Sargent threatened Christian Pulisic's life. Unlikely, but we don't know if there were other things he going on. Knife. He did. It was weird. And then he did the like crazy eyes and stared at Christian <laughs> Pulisic. So it could be. All I'm saying is like there may be other factors that we don't quite know about. If there are, we'll talk about them on Monday's show. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to do analysis of every sure. player's performance, especially because I think the sort of team approach yeah. and the failings therein are sort of the more interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should talk about, say, the – let's call them the – oddities yeah. in this game like the players that we haven't seen or haven't seen for a while mm-hmm. I want to start with Alfredo Morales sure and I would argue that we saw exactly the Alfredo Morales Agreed. that you predicted we would see thank you oh that's nice so nice and aggressive mm-hmm. won a lot of ball yep. tough in the tackle inconsistent in his passing yes yeah was yeah. trying to force some passes especially in the first half that just were not coming off and I would and I would say I would agree with that and then I would add and also never looked really like the person who was gonna turn under pressure and try to make something happen yeah. it felt like he was another sort of 
he was another one making the kind of safe lateral or backwards passes and then sort of opening up 10 yards, getting it, and then dropping it back again. Yeah. It, it never felt like he was going to be that difference maker who was going to totally take the midfield game and make something happen. Speaking of difference makers, uh, mm-hmm. so on the broadcast, Stu Holden had sort of highlighted uh, Tyler Boyd. Oh, did he? Before the game. And then throughout the game, he kept yeah. sort of mentioning what a sort mm-hmm. of quiet performance Tyler Boyd was having. I mean, I saw, the worrying thing for me wasn't just that he was quiet, because I think the U.S. basically didn't have a lot of the ball, mm-hmm. so there wasn't much for him to... There weren't many opportunities for him to get involved anyway. Right. The worrying thing for me is how many times passes were played out to him and he would come and meet the ball, and the ball would pop up. Yep. happened twice in the first yep. five minutes, yeah. where he gave away possession just through a really loose first touch. Mm-hmm. It... It was a disappointing performance, in yeah. my opinion, because he was one who I think we both really liked. We both wanted to see more of at the Gold Cup. We were kind of confused as to why we saw less of him. And I w- had hoped that like he moves to Besiktas, he's playing for a big club, a uh, club that's going to be in the Champions League. You would expect, like, okay, maybe this is going to be the opportunity when something can happen. Actually, I'm not sure they are in the Champions League. I take that back. Uh, but it felt like maybe this could be the chance where he comes in and we see, like, okay, yeah, he is that player. And instead, yeah, the ball pops up, he gets dispossessed, he gets knocked around. And I think one point I would agree with Stu Holden on with Tyler Boyd is that we didn't see him dropping in enough. And we saw that a little bit in the start of the second half, and then that kind of went away as well. But Tyler, Tyler Boyd not moving back 20 yards is essentially not doing what Chicharito was doing. Yeah. That he was showing and creating overloads and just causing like a Mexican player to maybe move 10 yards to cover him, but that opens up space for somebody else. There mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of movement off the ball from Tyler Boyd, nor from anybody else. But Yeah, like Jesse's artist is, should be the Chicharito yeah. uh, corollary, right? Yeah, but- and he tried on a couple occasions, especially in those first 10 minutes or so of the second half, but uh, a very anonymous performance from Tyler Boyd and a very, very anonymous performance from Jesse's artist. Would you agree like if, if you're picking the strongest US 11 now and you're picking a right winger mm-hmm. Jordan Morris is ahead of Tyler Boyd yeah based on the performance against Mexico right I would say so yeah. I mean I I still don't love that but at <laughs> least Jordan Morris is going to work and try stuff yeah. and shoot with his left foot apparently and win penalties yeah, yeah. alright alright um, alright so Gino Dest let's yeah. talk about his performance mm-hmm. I think the the standout thing will be him getting nutmegged for the goal mm-hmm. I would argue outside of that for the first half he was actually quite dangerous going forward and respectable defensively, okay. except in the one moment where he gets nutmegged in Mexico's score. Yeah, I think that's a pretty glaring moment, and that yeah, will probably stick yeah. with him for a while. And I think it limited, like, you saw a little bit of the youthful swagger disappear after that one. That like There was the, lots of swagger before that, right? Yeah, yeah. like we saw him almost it. almost doing the, like, Nick Lima thing from the left side of, like, maybe moving centrally on occasion, yeah. but then going wide and then getting involved in the attack and cutting inside and getting shots off and combining well with Pulisic. And after that Meg... I think he felt a little bit exposed and mm-hmm. tried to stay back a bit more and focus more defensively, and that certainly didn't help his uh, overall performance. And I don't want to say I told you so, mm-hmm. but do you remember when we talked in the middle of the Joe yeah. interview, I suggested that maybe the thing to do for Sejuno Dest's mm-hmm. debut is not send him up to face Tecatito, yeah. where we might get roasted, and maybe to play him on the wing, where we can just uh, you know attack and show off and showboat a little bit and not have to worry too much about the defensive side of the game. Yeah. I think looking back, that might have been the better the better way to go. I don't disagree, and we're fifty three minutes in, so this is where I'm going to get a little bit skies falling for a moment. So oh. if, if you don't want to hear this, like maybe just like fast forward like a minute or two. But I, I said this to you during the game. Like this was a very very bad performance from the national team. I would say it's certainly top ten worst performances yeah. I've ever seen. Not an enjoyable one to be part of either. And that's my fear. Oh, oh yeah. I yeah. feel like there's a chance that this game ends up being even worse because if. Sergino Dest does decline that Nations League call-up because this was so unpleasant and so not fun and so demoralizing. 
then this game is even worse. Because if it ends up being the one, I'm not saying it's likely to happen. I'm not saying I even think it will happen. But if Serginho Dest ends up declaring for the Netherlands, we look back at this game as like, what if we had come out and gotten the win? Does he end up playing for the United States? Because we beat Mexico and it's so exciting and I get the idea and I get the camaraderie and the atmosphere. And instead, there's no way that locker room is fun right now. Because it could be Dest thinking now, Oh, I'm not sure this system works. Yeah, exactly. What's Ronald Koeman doing? At beating Be- Germany. Beating Germany 4-2? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, four two. See, Germany still scored, so they <laughs> they need some more defensive help. So Look. that is that is my like worst, worst, worst case scenario as to how this game could end up being worse. <laughs> but I'm hoping that's not the case. And now, folks, you can stop fast forwarding. All right. Um, is is there any um any other player performance you want to? think about yeah i thought john brooks was uh was pretty i, I was i was didn't put a foot wrong he did not john brooks did really bum me out though because like we were sort of not joking but just talking about how he does tend to be very injury prone yeah he tends to miss a lot of national team games and like i'm not saying there's any conspiracy to it but like if this were timmy chandler we would be like this guy does not want to play for the united states like yeah. groin soreness he pulls out at the last minute like I get I it, it's not. A, it's that. I don't I think, think it is it's either. It's just that he's injury prone. Exactly, but Which it's, is, like in the end, is as damaging to the US's hopes. Exactly, because because right there, like, and I saw a bunch of people tweeting about like how like you can't really learn that much if you don't have your first choice center back there because you can't really know how the game is going to go if he had been there. But it also reminds you that, like, yeah, he's injury prone. And so what if this were the final game before, like, World Cup qualifying or before, like, going to the World Cup? Yeah, yeah. If you can't really ever truly say, like, it, it's sad. It, I think it stands out to me just because we talked about it. And I was like, haha, that's not going to happen. Like, he's here. He's healthy. He's ready to go. And that he ends up injured and can't play. Yep. It does make me feel now it's that player who you're never sure is going to show up for your adult league game. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, it's a 9 a.m. game. It was St. Patrick's Day last night. They're probably not going to be here. Does anyone talk to John? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that that is why I wanted to note him. And then really, yeah, Jordan Morris, I thought, did the most he could in the time he had yeah. to try to make something happen, and I appreciated uh, his efforts for it. Okay, final couple of things I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Berhalter's press conference. Yeah. So we haven't seen the whole thing. We have. But we have seen some excerpted quotes, mm-hmm. and he essentially seemed to... Uh, bristle, it, yeah, sorry. bristle at the idea that the U.S. was overrun mm-hmm. um, and essentially said, I know this isn't going to be the – I think this isn't a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. It was, I know this isn't going to be the narrative, but we're making progress. Yeah, and and seemed very annoyed by the like – or at least from the text that we've seen of like, oh, I see the way this is going. I see the way the narrative is going. I don't love that. I really, really, really don't mm-hmm. love that. The kind of defensiveness in the face of – like aggressive questioning following an embarrassing loss. And it is, right? 3-0 yeah. and outplayed. And and I get it. If you're embarrassed, you're going to be defensive. That is not surprising to me. But what I really didn't want to see, like I told you this before the game even ended, like it's why I appreciate Ben Olsen, who I've been in press conferences when he's like, yeah, that game sucked. We were awful. <laughs> like we've got to be better. This wasn't good enough. This didn't work. I can appreciate that. And I can appreciate saying that so you don't have to throw people under the bus. You can talk about your own preparation. And then maybe you get to like, but there were some positives. I enjoyed this. I like that. But if you're starting off by being like, I take issue with us being overrun in the first half. It's like you're arguing semantics at that point. You're yeah. going, you want to argue terminology? Like you know what that reporter is asking. Well, let's think more – let's think less about just um, how we feel about Greg Berhalter's sure. like interpersonal reactions mm-hmm. um, in the press conference. And more about what it means going forward. Because the more worrying thing to me 
is the idea that Berhalter thinks this team is making progress, mm-hmm. whereas I see a team that is struggling to build out of the back um, and is struggling to have a defensive game plan. I, I mean, didn't see progress in either of those things. Mm-mm. I actually saw backsliding between the Gold Cup final yep. and this game. That That is one of the more disconcerting things yeah. for me. The other thing is that if you took if you put me in a vacuum and I didn't know who managed this team, I don't know who managed this team. As in, you could say it was Klinsman, you could say it was Arena, you yeah. could say it was Berhalter. I, you could have really convinced me of anything in this one because I didn't see enough there to say like, okay, they're trying to do this and it's just like, oh, there's this one little thing. They've just got to adjust this. They've got to fine tune that and they'll be able to pull it off. It felt so unsuccessful from start to finish that I'm with you that like it's tough for me to come away from this thinking like, okay, but we know this now. We know – like we could play two attacking fullbacks, I guess is maybe what they were going for. That's I the one change yeah. tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Is for the first time, apart from when we played a back three against Jamaica in that friendly, yeah. it's the first time we've had not one of the fullbacks stay in home like Tim Ream does, mm-hmm. and we've had both fullbacks, Cannon and Dest, going forward. I'm not sure that was a massive success because uh, because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not sure it was a massive fail because it was never like both fullbacks got forward well, and we got exploited, except on the third goal. But that's like. Trailing two nil, eighty second minute. But like, but then the other thing that still is is upsetting about that is like, but to the original point, of like, is this a chess match? Is this a continuation of the Gold Cup? Like, that was a concern we had about like we don't have the ability to when you flip the attack from Mexico and Tim Ream is now staying back, but now the right side is open. Like, you don't have the ability to play a more aggressive left back and then keep the right back home. Like that was a variation we didn't see from the United States, and it felt like they kind of tried that variation tonight, and it also didn't work. Right and. That to me is like when you're sort of trying something different and it still seems like it isn't going anywhere. Again, I'm I'm with you that it feels like a little bit of a backslide. So if if instead of just uh, like pretending yeah. everything's fine and telling mm-hmm. the press they've got it wrong, Berhalter was to actually look – excuse me mm-hmm. – to look at this game and say maybe I need to change some things about how we're running this team. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you have him do? What would we have him do? Because I'm going to ask myself the same question um, in terms of say the – possession style of soccer because we can't keep trying to build out of the back the way that we have been if a team like Mexico who should be roughly at equal right mm-hmm. they roughly should be our rival in CONCACAF should be at equal if we are absolutely incapable of playing out of the back against Mexico our equal is there something we need to change about the way we possess and the way we build or do we need a complete change of style where maybe we have just have to go more direct I mean I, like my answer, I, it's a tough I don't, question, I don't right? really have much of an answer to the possession aspect of it, really. I, okay. what, I, what I have an answer to is I think you need to play more than two people in the center midfield. I think that's a big, 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 big thing. That's when defending, right? Because he would say right now, we did, we played three center midfielders. We had Morales, McKenney, and uh, Trapp. Sure. Yeah. And I would argue, no, you didn't, because you were in a four four two defensively, but, that, but McKinney is further forward. My point simply being that, fine, if you force a turnover and your midfield gets it, Weston McKinney's 20 yards up the field. Okay. That, that, to me, doesn't work. But the bigger thing to me is that you can't be in two minds. You can't do this sort of, like, have everybody kind of step, but then nobody steps at the same time. We're going to press, but we're not actually so going to press. the defensive side. More. Yes, okay. and I, but I think, to me, that's where it starts, is that if you never make your opponent uncomfortable, you let them do what they want the whole game. And Mexico, except for the one sequence when the United States end up earning a penalty because they went at Mexico and made them uncomfortable, if you just sit off them and kind of think it's going to work by holding your shape, I don't think that's going to work. And I think if you change that and you make Mexico uncomfortable and you run at them, then you kind of force them into giving the ball up and you get the ball in more advantageous positions. So I feel like I can't even answer the possession thing because I feel like we never were in a position where we won the ball back, or at least routinely we're not in a position where we won the ball back high up the field and could kind of exploit those opportunities. 
So I would agree with you that I would love to see us just be like more committed to a higher press like mm-hmm. Mexico were to us. I think it's going to yield more results. It'll be more interesting to watch and it'll just make more sense. I think it'd be more buy-in from the players mm-hmm. than the weird system he's playing now, right? right? Um, but I'd also equally, I would accept if we just like sat back in a 4-4-2 mm-hmm. and we're just sort of like, all right, the front two are going to be behind the halfway line and everybody else is going to be super compact and we're just going to be that team that... You can come at us, but we're going to be really tough to break down, mm. right? I just want one or the other. I want a full commitment to, like, low block, compact, you can't get through us, mm. or high, coming at you, we're going to press and we're going to win the ball. Yep. Just not this weird in-betweeny thing that doesn't do one or the other. It just eventually stretches us out yep. and lets us get exploited. Yeah. So choose one, is what yeah, I'm saying. Choose, choose a more specific game plan where you're either all in or all back. Yes, and maybe this is too, like, theoretical or emotional but like i would also say we have the personnel for to do either of those things yeah yeah Mm, i'm not sure we do i'm I'm, I'm, I'm really i don't know because like with some of the pressing i think you have to have a lot of awareness and you have to be sort of like like clever enough in the moment and aware of your positioning but aware of what needs to be done off the ball and how like if your left back gets the ball where do I need to be like similar to what we were talking about with Mexico where Tecatito knew how to like shift inside he wasn't really man marking but he was close enough that he was vaguely threatening and nobody wanted to go near that side of the field anymore I don't know if we have the personnel right now who are able Pulisic could do that? No like we had the question well Pulisic is one but there's nine other outfield players and like like we had we had that question all the time about like what would happen if if they had appointed Tata Martino and I think the answer would be he'd be really frustrated because I <laughs> I think some of the adjustments he makes on the fly and the way the Mexican players respond to it I right now at least don't have as much faith in some of the American players to be able to adjust on the fly in that like successful of a way I guess it's it's easy to be in that or not easy it's it's tempting to be in that mindset after watching them play badly mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I can see why I can see why you think, I think if Martino was in charge. We'd have a more organised defensive system, and we'd feel a bit better about it. Yeah, I mean, because I, I really think guys like McKenney, Adams when he's fit, like Morales, they're really good at running guys down and trying to win the ball back. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a system that would kind of suit the personnel that we have. Yeah, I mean, I, but I feel like you're talking more about like a high press, just everybody run, 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 run. I'm talking more about how Mexico. I felt like were very strategic and they pressed, but like like this door is now closed and this door is now closed yeah, yeah. and then you're going to play it here but then we're going to close that door and it's like a slow like a uh, war of attrition although it's a very fast war of attrition and it, but it requires very fast rapid decision making on the fly yeah. and I guess maybe you're right because it's after this game but I did not see evidence enough for me to feel like we are capable of making those rapid fire decisions yeah. on a team wide basis so I do think there's a chance that maybe Bauta changes his defensive mm-hmm. approach I think there's very, 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 very little chance that he moves away from possession soccer. I agree. That's I think we're going to keep doing it. And, no and that's what. what I started to say earlier is like maybe this is an emotional plea, but like I would, I would, I would hope that whatever Berhalter decides to do, it isn't controlled by perspective or like if he reverts back to like a four four two and is defensive, and we then look to counter on the break. There's going to be those people who are like, well, this is what we've always done. Did we really like this isn't yeah. moving the program forward? We're not changing anything. And I I worry about the idea that like that filters into the way you approach a game is like, yeah, but like I don't want to get oh, hear all the feedback from it. I don't think this is the case. I don't think Berhalter really cares that much. I think he only cares about if he's continuing to be employed and that's about it and then making the team successful. But like he doesn't really care what I have to say. Right. But like I know there are people out there who would be a little bit hesitant to like go back to something for fear yeah. of being criticized. I think I actually I would like to see them stick with the possession style just to see the experiment out, right? Mm-hmm. To see 
at least maybe a World Cup qualifying cycle and a World Cup where we actually try and play this way and see how we do it. So if we are going to stick with possession, what are like a couple of things you think the US national team could do to not end up conceding the second goal like we did tonight where our possession soccer is so timid and playing backwards and eventually playing ourselves into trouble that we're giving up the ball and conceding goals. I mean, it's it's one fifteen, and we've been talking for more than an hour, so I might not be as like articulate and thoughtful in my like tactical analysis. What are some things you would like to see there? Oh, you finished right back. I'll flip that right back around since you're asking me a very specific question. I think the big thing would be to have uh, a midfield three that are confident mm-hmm. enough to do those things we talked about, yeah. like drop a shoulder, throw a little feint, just be brave enough to almost risk getting tackled mm-hmm. instead of playing the what feels like the low-risk pass backwards that just works us backwards. But then don't we get frustrated? Because aren't we going to be like, oh, they're too slow, they're caught in possession. Like, I guess that's depends what if you... they actually get caught in possession or not, or if Paxton Pomacal drops a shoulder, moves the other way, and suddenly opens up space mm-hmm. and can start a passing move. Yeah, I mean, yes, but I guess that's where like I, I had that thought as well, but then my fear is like, yeah, but then if they're too slow and they try to turn and they get like the ball poked away and then Mexico score, then I'm equally like, well, we don't have the technical ability to play yeah. under pressure. So... I, I think the biggest thing for me is just how often the United States didn't look for other options. It felt like it was like ball from the left center back. I'm the center midfielder dropping in. I'm going to go put, go to the right center back without really looking around. And I don't think that was a I'm scared to turn and play. It just felt to me like it wasn't a I have three different options. Like almost like a quarterback has like the primary receiver, the secondary receiver, and like and then the third one. Like you can go through and see which one is actually open. And it felt like no one ever went past that primary passing read. Yeah. And I would have liked to see just a little bit more of like okay, I'm going to try that once, but then maybe I'll play it safe. This time okay now i'm gonna play it safe this time but the next time i'm gonna turn and try to play it out like a little more variation i wouldn't mind seeing yeah so maybe one tweak we could have Mm -hmm. is yeah we keep we try to play out from the back but far away from us something is happening to give us like a second option yeah a secondary receiver shall we say in the form of a more direct ball yeah and that might be that we have to have more of a target forward and just someone who like the ball will stick to if we just bang it up at them yeah or it might be that we need the wingers like Pulisic and Boyd to be making runs in behind in preparation for the possession passing thing not coming off, then this ball, like this run is already being made so we can maybe hit this over the top. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. So I, I like that. I'm good with that. See, now we're talking variation. Yeah. The other thing I would say is like, I, I think I've answered some of my concern about like turning under pressure and what happens if we get robbed in the middle. The answer is don't get robbed in the middle. If you're going to try that good on the wings and if you're going to play Sergino Dest and Reggie Cannon, it is Sergino. I got to remember that. Yeah, now. The teal day is there for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like it did not used to be, and then suddenly it's appeared. Yeah, not in all the US soccer releases, but it is. Now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Sergino Dest and Reggie Cannon. That's where, like, and Reggie Cannon would on occasion try to turn and take people on and get it poked away, and then the United States would at least have a throw in. But like, if you want to do that, then go down the wing and give options for some wall passes, and maybe try to combine cleverly and go at people down the wings. And then if you lose the ball, worst case scenario is Chuck Lozano dribbles down and then scores a goal. But <laughs> <laughs> but at least he's got to do so by starting outside and coming inside as opposed to just going straight at goal and scoring with two touches. All right, should we end it there? Sure. Should we end it there while we're in a reasonably good mood? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So next game is Tuesday night uh, against Uruguay in St. Louis. Yes. Here is my parting my parting feeling because I'm not necessarily in a good mood. I'm not necessarily in a bad mood. I think my frustration, and I've articulated this before, is when I feel like I don't know what we're doing, it's the Taylor Troman screaming, what are we doing? Mine is just more so like, I don't really know what we're doing here. And I think that's why I feel more upset about this loss than anything else is that coming out of it, I struggle to find positives. I struggle to find things that I feel like, okay, we learned from this and we tried this and that didn't work, but now we've learned this. It still feels sort of like, 
it seems like the answer is like kick the ball and run really hard and try to put people under pressure and play defensive and mm-hmm. see what happens. And like that is sort of where we've been. And so that's I, – I, I hope that we see – a like, okay, this is the low point, and now we're going to turn around, and we're going to try this, and then there's a little bit of growth here, and there's a little bit of change here, and, and I want to see us move in, the, in a positive direction. Right now, I'm feeling like that's going to be harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, so I feel slightly differently to you in that I feel like I know what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. both offensively and defensively, and I'm not sure either of them are the right choices. <laughs> So I'm okay. worried that like we're going to stick with the wrong choice for too long mm-hmm. without giving it at least some sort of tweak. Okay. So I want to see yeah. it, like a small changing yeah. course, both defensively and when we have the ball. I think I think that make, that makes sense. And we, I, we, we articulated what the plan was for yeah. the US, right? Yeah. But then we articulated why it didn't work. I think what I'm trying to say, because <laughs> that, that's very useful. That's a better way of putting it. Because what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like if you know you want to try to do a thing, if you know that we want to play – possession soccer we want to do quick passing through the middle not saying this is what the united states were doing but like let's say that's your goal is quick passing through the middle and it doesn't work because your opponent put four central midfielders in the middle and you couldn't play through it even though you kept trying to do it well now you've learned okay well we've got to have some variation there so now we know if the midfield gets crowded we're going to shift this guy wide and we're going to play through him like it to, to me it feels like that's an evolution of like what the preferred style is and you're absolutely right that we have a style we have an approach we're trying to do but it sort of feels like Okay, but let's just keep doing it, and eventually it will get better. It doesn't feel like there is, we're going to try this and move this around and get this person here to adjust to what didn't work and did. It doesn't feel like we're learning and growing and, like, regenerating to be stronger. It feels like we're sort of like, yeah, but let's just do it again and see what happens. That's a depressing but good point to end on. So I'll say, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me this evening slash morning. Genuinely right back at you, my friend, because the truth is that I am grateful in these moments for – this show to be able to do yeah, this yeah. show because otherwise process, right? I would just be screaming into the void. And I know there are many people out there who are doing the same and yeah. I would say that they are justified in doing that. Yeah. But I would say keep fighting the good fight and I don't know, enjoy your weekend. There are other things out there. Maybe it'll be better on Tuesday. Maybe it'll be better we'll on be Tuesday. We'll be back on Monday to preview. But the... we're here and that's what matters. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back on Monday to preview yeah. the Uruguay game and we'll obviously be back on Tuesday to watch and review the USA versus Uruguay game. And maybe smash some things. Uh, all right. Listeners, Thank you for listening, especially if you listened all the way to the end and you're hearing this. We will talk to you again on Monday. 